In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Join me, Dr. Karen Kambule, as we pursue the Word, the Lord Jesus, searching scriptures to find solutions to life's issues. Welcome to Word Anchor Podcast. Download and share with your friends and your family. Stay blessed. Greetings, beloved of the Lord God. Thank you for tuning in to Word Anchor Podcast. This episode is titled, Your Miracle is in Your Obedience. Allow me to start by saying, the life of a believer is in believing. We believe God, we believe His Word. We believe that His Word is true. We believe that what He says, He is faithful to do. It is as simple as that. But however, it doesn't end there. Once you have believed, then the fruit of your belief is shown in your action. What do you do, child of God, with the word you have heard and believed? We all are praying for different kinds of miracles. We have things that we have asked of God. We have things that we are expecting from the Father. We have things that we pray for and we know that in the natural scheme of things, they cannot happen and they will not happen. It will take only a miracle from God. We live our lives daily expecting God to move in on our issues and give us solutions. Allow me to say, it could be that your miracle is actually waiting on the other side of your obedience. We gather as children of God. We pray. We go to our rooms. We close the door and we pray. We go to the church and we pray. We ask for this and that from God. And then God speaks and we believe. Then what? What do you do when God has spoken? What do you do with the word that God has told you? Yes, the Bible has been written. The canon is sealed. However, God speaks through that very word. You can read one scripture ten times and God will elevate that scripture and illuminate it one time when you need a solution and show you your solution is actually in this verse of scripture. What then do you do? There is so much that we should not be talking about in the pulpit really. Simple things that we not not argue about, yet we still do. Because as believers, we still want to be told what to do, when to do it and how. Did God say that or this? Did God say we should not do this? Show me the verse of scripture that says I must not do that. And that's a question that a lot of people do ask, or some people maybe. They ask that question because they seek to get away from doing the word of God. Now let's talk about obedience for a while. Well, I hope not in a negative way, but um, the way that we are used to engaging on the subject of obedience normally goes the path of thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. And I want to look at the positive side of obedience, the obedience that leads you to a miracle, the obedience that brings solutions to your life. In the book of First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, there's a portion a part of that scripture which Samuel spoke when he spoke to Saul, the king of Israel. It says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Praise God. To obey is better than sacrifice. Whilst these words of Samuel came out in a negative way, um, when Saul, having heard the word of Samuel, when he told him to wait for seven days, he failed to obey the word of God. And the second time when Samuel told um, Saul that he should kill everything, everyone, every animal, everything and leave nothing. And 
Saul decided to leave the king and the fettered animals. It was a simple way of waiting and a simple way of destroying all. And Saul failed to obey that word. And Samuel said to him, To obey is better than sacrifice. God does not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, but he delights in our obedience to his word. Sometimes we take the instructions of God as if they are burdensome, too difficult to do. You see, the law is said to have more than 613, if I'm not mistaken. And those are the laws that say, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. However, when Jesus came, he gave a simple instruction, love one another, and you would think it will be very easy to follow it. As human beings, we tend to have a problem in obeying instructions. Yet, child of God, I want to say this to you. I want to put it to you that your breakthrough is wrapped up in your obedience. Saul could have continued as a chosen king had he just obeyed the instruction, wait for seven days, kill everyone and everything. On the positive side, the solution that you require, the answer to your prayer is found in obeying the word of God. Even for Saul, even though it sounds like it was negative, whatever he was told was going to give him favor with God because God would have continued having his spirit upon Saul. But in his disobedience, he lost the favor of God. He lost the spirit of God. So I want to say in a simple way, if God said, go to the other room and find a bag, open it and you'll find a million in cash. It is yours. I'm sure all of us will run and do exactly that. But what if the instruction is to run around the house seven times or a hundred times? Maybe a few will try and fail trying, but the expected result is too good to not encourage you to at least try. And then when we come to God in prayer and he tells us what to do, we walk away and we search for answers elsewhere. That is our failure to obey the word of God. God expects us to obey him. Believing in God doesn't end with you saying, I believe what God has said. Because if you have believed what he said, then you ought to do what he said you must do. Mary, the mother of Jesus, summed up the matter of obedience with just a few words. Whatever he says to you, do it. Praise God. John chapter 2 verse 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. If he says run run around those pots 10 times, do it. If he says take this pot and put it there, do it. And Jesus Christ gave them a simple instruction. Fill the jars with water. And that's all they did. And he said, take a cup, fill it with some of the water and take it to the master of the feast. You see, the obedience of the servants brought about the results. They went and filled up the water jars as instructed by Jesus. And they took some whilst the substance was still water. And as they did, the substance became wine and the piety continued. Let me ask you this. Would you have gone to fetch the water if you were at the wedding? Remember, child of God, they did not have taps. They did not have running water in the kitchen. They had to go and fetch water elsewhere, not right close as we would. Just get up and go to the kitchen. Would you have questioned Jesus? Lord, we don't make wine with water. We need grapes, Jesus. Grapes don't become wine overnight, Lord. You see, Jesus, the place where we get the water is far. What's the point of this hard work? For nothing. Without grapes, there will be no wine. That is me or you trying to tell the Lord how this thing is not going to work. How difficult this thing is. How burdensome the instruction is. That's where we get stuck a lot of times as believers. We're stuck in the details. We are stuck in the process. How is this going to work? We are stuck in the science behind it. 
how shall this thing happen? You see, when Mary asked the angel, how shall it be? For I know not a man. And he was told the Holy Spirit will come over you, overshadow you, and you'll be a child. That was it. She didn't sit around to ask, how is that going to happen? How is the Holy Spirit going to do it? How will I know that I'm now pregnant? All of these questions. You see, we add up all sorts of reasons why it cannot happen. Perhaps maybe in that uh, wedding at Cana, the couple was not holy enough. God will not answer their prayers. God will not bless their marriage. Maybe you have sinned, so God won't hear your prayers. Oh no, it has not been done like that. It will not start with you. You see, children of God, disobedience draws us back from the promises of God. It was disobedience that caused Moses the promised land. All the males, 20 years and upwards, failed to go into the promised land because of disobedience. Now, I want to talk about a Syrian commander, Naman, and then we wrap up this whole thing about obedience for this episode. In the book of Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 9 to 14, it is written, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Verse 9, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Fapa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Praise God. You see, Naaman got stuck on two things. On a process and the place. This was a Syrian commander. He was a highly valued servant in the king's army. He was used to commanding things. He was a very important man. He expected certain things. He expected to be treated in a certain way. The king had given him a letter and said, go to Israel, go to the king. He went to the king. The king sent him to the prophet. He, he wanted special treatment. And all he heard was from a messenger saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. He was stuck in that process. Why did Elisha not come out? Why did he not call on the name of the Lord his God? Why did he not wave his hand over the place? I'm actually expecting the pastor to lay hands on me. I'm expecting the pastor to fast for me three days because my matter is very, very serious. I'm expecting the, the leadership to do this and that. And they have not done it. Process. Elisha did not do this and therefore I don't believe that this thing is going to work. Worse, he did not even come out himself. Sent a servant. Tell him, go and wash. Deep seven times. That's it. Sometimes we fail to obey God because we are stuck on the process. Sometimes God will use an usher to give you a prophetic word, child of God. And you're going to ask, why is this word coming from the usher? 
Why couldn't they go to the pastor and tell the pastor and the pastor would pray about it before telling me? Process. Some people will refuse to be laid hands on a church because it has not been done in a certain way. We want to dictate to God how things should be done. Obedience is better than sacrifice. The second thing that he got stuck at was place. The rivers where he came from were better than Jordan. The small church, what can come out of this small church? Can anything good come from Nazareth? We judge the place instead of judging God faithful. We look at the place. We're thinking there's no prophet to go that come from this church. Oh, this pastor from that small congregation, who is he? Place. That's where he got stuck. And praise God that this man was able to change his mind. His servants, of course, had something to do with it. Other people are stuck on the person. Who is he? On the position. He's, he's just a, a deacon, not the senior pastor. He can't tell me what to do. He can't tell me, thus says the Lord. This even becomes worse when there is a pastor and a prophet in the same church and the senior person is the pastor and the prophet arises out of it or an apostle rises out of the church. Who is this one to tell me, thus says the Lord? The person and the position. Instead of obeying what God is saying, we get stuck on the minute details. Whereas God only expects obedience, obey the word of God without asking questions. The instruction for Naaman was simple. Go deep seven times, not once, not twice, not four times, not six and a half times, but seven times. Like Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, not any other pool. Pick up your bed, mat, and go home. Go show yourself to the priest. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your son will live. These are simple instructions from God. If today God just comes to you and say, go your way, your faith has made you whole. You'll want to begin to test, is this true? Has, has this happened? You'll make that phone call, has this thing happened? These are simple instructions that Jesus Christ gave. And today, he has given us instructions as a church. Go, preach the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Praise God. So I have a question for you, child of God. How is the preaching of the good news going? How is the healing of the sick going? And the raising of the dead? And the devils? Are they still allowed to roam inside the church and be comfortable because we are afraid they will come on us? It is a shame that we fail to obey a simple instruction, cast out the devils. And the funny thing is Jesus Christ does not even tell us how. He just says cast out. So whichever way you're going to cast out, if you want to chase a dog, there's no manual for chasing a dog. You'll chase it the way you would understand that this dog is going to hear me. Get out of here. It must go. We are stuck as a church, failing to obey simple instructions from God. Demons are, are having a field day in the church. They come with us, open the service with us, sit down and listen to the sermon and go home. We find in the church, Spirit-filled believers, long time saved, even serving, even a pastor, even a pastor, afraid of a demon, afraid of a demon. Not that the demons of today are worse than the demons of yesterday. The demon that was on the child that had um, epileptic seizures, it threw the boy on the ground. It, it, it almost destroyed and killed the boy. So it's the same thing today. Somebody is rolling on the floor, a demon is being cast out, other people are saying, no, they are acting.
Whereas the instruction of Jesus says, cast these things out. We say they want attention. Jesus Christ says, cast it out. Do not analyze the person. Cast the demon out of the person. Do not even count their sins. Just cast the thing out. The men of Gadarin had been throwing stones at people. People were afraid to move uh, uh, along that route. Jesus Christ did not stand and say, you see, you caused this thing on yourself. Look at how you're treating people. You see, this is a case. It didn't analyze the demons, told them to go. The psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 112 says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. This is a commitment to God that this servant of God was saying to God, my heart, I have agreed with my heart. I have decided in my heart that I'm going to perform your statutes forever to the very end. God wants that commitment with action. He says, um, if a father says to a son, go do this, and the son says, I will. And then he goes and says to the other, go do that. And that one says, I won't. And then he gets up and does it. The one that has obeyed the father is the one that went and did it, even though he said initially, I won't do it. Incline your heart to perform the statutes of God. You will see miracles. When the sick are sick, they require a miracle of healing. And the one that is supposed to lay hands on the sick is the one that is questioning, is this thing happening today? No, it ended with the apostles. Why would God even still say he gave some and includes the gifts of healing in that list of things that were given to the church? Who needs healing now? Us or when we are in heaven or when Jesus Christ comes. We need healing now and today. So the instruction to the believer is simple. Go, do these things, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, preach the good news. Simple instructions. And when something goes wrong, we still want to justify and say it was not the will of God. We have not even tried casting out the devil. We're now saying it's the will of God. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 to 7 it says, Therefore when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In bent offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will. Praise God. To do your will. It was written about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. He had to obey that word. Every one of those stripes in his back was in obedience to the word. Jesus could have called fire when they were hitting him the third time. He didn't because he came in the volume of the book. It is written of him and he came to do the will of God. It may have looked like the will of God was burdensome to him. But you see, he chose to do what God said must be done by him. He was bruised for our iniquities. He carried our illnesses and our diseases and our pains on his body on the cross. He had to experience that. It was already written about him. They divided his garments. He had to watch them dividing his garments. Judas was given 30 pieces of silver. It was written in the volume of the book about him. That the one that would betray him would be paid 30 pieces of silver. He had to go through that. He had to obey what had already been said about him. The, 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 the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. He had to crush the head of the serpent. 
then we'll come today having a Lord and a God that had go through these things and went through. And then he gives us a simple instruction. I give you authority over all the demons and over all the power of the enemy. Go and do these things. The disciples went, came back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Praise God. The demons are subject to us in your name. And today, when somebody is casting out a demon, we're thinking that they're just um, uh, being silly people in the church. Not my will, but your will. Your miracle child of God is wrapped up in your obedience. Go ye, do as the Lord has said. You need something, obey the word of God. Ask, it shall be given. You are sick, obey the word of the Lord God. Lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. You are afflicted, cast out the devil. May it be your prayer. Lord, help me to obey. Israel said to Moses, what the Lord tells us to do, we'll do. And they were given the Ten Commandments and they broke them immediately. There is a grace that comes with the Holy Spirit that helps us to obey. The law fails to give you the ability to obey. It is the Spirit that gives you the ability to obey. Because you see, the law is written in your heart. It's no longer written in tablets, but it's written in your heart. And the Spirit is the one that will be able to remind you every single day. This is what the Lord God is saying. And He requires you to obey. May the Lord show you the areas of disobedience in your life. And He will forgive us, you and me, for disobedience. We must have an intention and be intentional about obeying the word and the voice of God. There is so much that the Lord God wants to do through us and in our lives. He requires us to obey. Even if it looks like it's foolishness, do it, child of God. Even if it looks like it is too difficult, trust him and his spirit. Even if it tarries, even if it takes a bit longer than you expected, wait on the Lord. Trust him. Trust his process. Trust his word. He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He just wants you to obey. He just wants you to obey you and me. Let us do the things that God says we must do. The world is waiting for the sons of God to manifest. The sons of God are the kind of people that cast out devils. Are the kinds of people that heal the sick. Are the kinds of people that multiply things. We are blessed right in the beginning to multiply. Sons of God must manifest obeying their father. May the Lord help you and me in our walk with him in obedience. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Word Anchor Podcast. To get copies of my books, The Bride of Jesus, Dear Girl Child, Confessions of a Parent, Victorious Youth, and From the Pit to the Palace, go to Amazon.com. You can buy a hard copy or a Kindle edition. Remember to check out the show notes. Connect with me on social media platforms. Give feedback and continue to spread the word. Tune in for the next episode and make the word of God your anchor.